Maple Leafs getting ready with new battle. Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy you listening to you, but you said they don't care about defense earlier in the show. The Leafs. Yes. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay. They have to. <laughs> you're right. You're they right. have to. I know. I know. And especially Brendan Shanahan. They got one Stanley Cups with a Scotty Bowman. I should clarify. It's how, not that they don't care about defense. How can he not know what it takes when you're not scoring goals to win championships? They, that guy is the first guy that should know. And they know. I think they don't care if they do it six to five or two to one because it's a win and you just need to get more than the opposition. See, I don't, dis- uh, I don't agree with you because you don't win those games or Stanley Cups in April with those scores. They believe you can. No, they don't. <laughs> They just fake it for entertainment for Ken Reed to say that was a fun game to watch. You think so? Yes. All right. Well, we'll be exciting to see if, uh, if they can keep Seattle's number down. The, they, they've been giving up a ton of goals lately. All right. Let's welcome in uh, Allison Lucan, uh, NHL analyst for Root Sports, uh, covering the Seattle uh, Kraken. Uh, Allison, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I feel like I'm stepping into a big time debate here. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're 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 perfect because you'll you'll settle it for us. Um, just in terms of style of play, let's start first with the Seattle Kraken and what they've been able to accomplish or not accomplish up until this point with style of play. How do you see their expansion season? Yeah, they were very honest with what this what they were going to be on the ice even at the start of the season, which was uh, the intention was strong goaltending bolstered by strong play in front on the defensive end of the ice and low-scoring games. <laughs> so a narrow goal margin is something Seattle was certainly expecting mm-hmm. as opposed to, to what you need in, in the late-run games like you were just talking about. But, um, you know, that was their design. If you look at their play, it, it – Actually, offensively, they've overproduced um, a little bit compared to what was expected of them. There's just been a little bit of time that's been necessary to get that synergy and that flow with the defenders in front of the goaltenders. The goaltenders reading the way that these defenders are playing, defenders staying locked into their systems. And, you know, this is Ron Francis will be the first to say this is not an excuse, but, you know, some key injuries, some, some big COVID battles disrupted a team that had to really challenge to build chemistry among all of their players in an inaugural season. And I think that matters. And so I think that uh, they're coming together as the season progresses, but obviously they haven't been able to come together enough um, to contend for a postseason berth this year. Yeah. Uh, Allison, we appreciate you, you joining us. One of the, uh, the things I wanted to get your take on here being a Toronto Maple Leaf show, Jared McCann is of great interest and we got perfect timing today that he just <laughs> signed his extension. Uh, tell us about his tenure so far as a member of the Seattle Kraken and uh, expectations going forward. Yeah, I think Jared McCann is a great example of those kind of stories you look for. When you have an expansion team, you know, this is a guy who who bounces around a little bit. You know, he had, what was it, 72 hours as a Maple Leaf? Right. Um, and then comes to comes to Seattle, and I think it was, it was the kind of situation where a player is put in exactly the right spot to succeed. He started off on the first line center because Yanni Gord was out with a shoulder injury, and he's playing with Eberle and uh, Schwartz, and those two guys are such quality veterans and such strong support players as well as producers in their own right that I think they really help McCann settle into his game. And, and the biggest strength he has is his finishing ability. I mean, he's a quiet guy. He's, he's not going to draw your attention on the ice until he takes that shot and it gets past the opposing goaltender. Um, and part of that quietness, I think, is what leads to the fact that he is the best um, drawer of penalties on this Kraken squad, too. The best penalty margin on the roster. I think he's top 15 in the league going into tonight's game. So um, he's helping his team by scoring and he's helping his team get opportunities to score even when he's not on the ice. So, Allison, when we, when we hear about McCann signing, we now consider him a, a core guy or a guy that Ron Francis wants to build around uh, in the next few years. But I also look at the lineup and I see a lot of 29 and 30 and 31 year olds. And I'm starting to wonder, okay, who, who are the core guys for the next few years on Seattle? Because there's a trade deadline coming and everybody's looking for, for, for help. 
and they're probably calling Ron Francis right now. So, I mean, who's in, who's out, um, in, in your opinion? Uh, Yanni Gord, to me, has a, been a great soldier for Tampa Bay. I'm not sure if Tampa would give him up or uh, if Seattle would give him up, but I, I guess anybody's for sale right now on this team if the price is right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure, and I think a player, uh, I do agree that anyone, if the, the price is right, if, if you get, you know, if you look some of these trades go down at deadline time, we've all seen them, you have to take those offers. Uh, you know, you look back at the Savard deal, the Polino deal last year, but um, I think Gord would be someone they'd have to take real pause on separating with. I think there's a very traditional approach going on here where obviously the unrestricted free agents are going to be the ones most marketed. Um, and Ron Francis did have a conversation with Mark Giordano before expressing that he would be available as well. But, you know, again, this team isn't even fully complete in terms of its developmental pipeline. They need to stock up their AHL roster. They need to look at draft picks and players that are the next wave to your point if we look at the average age of this roster so you know that's the mark of success is having waves of talent not just every once in a while a blip so i think that the doors are open ron francis's phone is available to be called and as long as the value is there he's willing to listen and he's willing to weaponize his cap space as well if that helps get the right deal done yeah, and we would look at this team, and you know, Nick's talking about who's a part of the core and who isn't. I think a lot of the people who signed as or players who signed as UFAs um, in you know last summer would be considered that it's Alexiak, and you know they got Larson in there and signed uh, Grubauer. Some of those signings, not sure how they've panned out. How would you grade their initial uh, longer term contracts? Yeah, you know, I think that um, the Grubauer signing, everyone's looking at that right now, obviously because of what people have seen in that this season across the board. And I think there's going to be a, a look to that contract as he ages, as there would be with any goaltender in that aging system. But I do think that the numbers and the measures for Grubauer this year aren't necessarily reflective of, of what he still can be. Um, I think he probably does have at least one or two seasons in him but then after that you know you, you but, th- but these are deals that happen across the market all the time I think that um, Larson Oleksiak that's the kind of defense they want that on their back end in support of some more aggressive players I think of someone like Vince Dunn who has that more offensive upside so I think that these are good foundational deals and what happens now is finding the right pieces to go around some of those foundational deals Yanni Gord as well um, to really then make this team what the vision is for Ron Francis and his front office. One name that maybe the Leaf fans should keep an eye on is uh, Yarncrock. Uh, the sense is that uh, Ron's getting a lot of calls on him. I think he's a pending free agent. And there is a history with Kyle Dubas who once uh, represented him as, a, as an agent. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And he's, you know, he came to Seattle most kind of praised for his two-way play, which again fit the vision that Ron and and his group had for this team. Um, But he, you know, he started off quiet offensively, um, but then he's really kind of had a burst here of late. Um, He's played in pretty much, you know, power play and and in the fives. And if he can rediscover the real strength of his defensive game, it certainly hasn't fallen away, but bringing that back as well, this is, this is one of those, that last key piece, right? Like I think of even like a Gus Nyquist type situation of someone who can come in and just kind of put all the final pieces together, be a glue guy, pop in where needed. Um, He could be someone where if that's what a team wants, they'd be looking at him. Allison, you do a, a lot of work in analytics. People can check out some um, uh, some of your work at NHL.com. Uh, I've really enjoyed following along with the, the Kraken so far this season. Is is there anything in the numbers? So we, we haven't had the, the Kraken in town here in Toronto yet this season. Uh, for people to watch for that the numbers point you towards, whether good or bad, any sort of unique identifiers to say, uh, this is something that, that the Kraken do that you won't see everywhere? Yeah, you know, I think that the Kraken represent a trend that uh, many teams are going towards, which is allowing shot volume, but having it come from the perimeter. Yeah. So shot quality isn't as intense for their goaltenders. 
And on the flip side, you know, something that they have really striven to reduce this year because it's been an Achilles heel is chances off the rush. That's been something that they've really had to work at minimizing because it, it, that's been just a weak spot for, for this team. So if there's a lot of rush chances against, I think that would be something for Seattle to be concerned about. Uh, as far as the goal, uh, the coaching, uh, a lot of names were speculated on who is going to be named uh, the head coach. Uh, Hackstall, of course, uh, ended up with the, the job. Uh, so far, your assessment of him and the relationship he's had with the players and uh, whether or not uh, this thing has a chance to kind of stay long term. Yeah, you know, I think any first year is difficult for sure. And, you know, he's done a really nice job of keeping an even tone, particularly, you know, this group was one of the teams that had a COVID outbreak right even before their inaugural game. Um, And so that tone and that calmness, I think, is important. Um, He's been very protective of his group as well, which I think is important when they were trying to find their identity. I think he, too, like this team, is, is still working to find the pieces that fit together um, to optimize the systems he may want to put in place. He recently, with his staff, changed the way this penalty kill is playing, putting them onto a more aggressive style. You know, we see what Mitch Marner can do on the penalty kill, even it's something like that, bringing a little bit more offensive mind or or offensive challenge, even when playing a man down. So I think he's trying to ramp up the way this team plays, trying to continue to add tools to the toolbox. Um, but it's a work in progress for him, just as the roster is for Ron and his group. Yeah. Uh, with, with Seattle being a team that maybe sellers, you know, everyone in this market is kind of going, oh, who might be interesting from their buffet? Who could we sample there? And I think one of the the guys is like, could Mark Giordano ever get pride out of there and uh, end up a Toronto Maple Leaf? I won't ask you to speculate on, on that per se so much as what's left in the tank for Giordano? Has he had a good season? Do you think he's still someone that can contribute meaningfully to a team with uh, real cup aspirations? You know, I do. It, it, the, the man has two shorthanded goals in the last five games, is that which right? is insane. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's five. I have to go back and check. But he, has, he had two and three games, uh, one in Calgary, of course. Um, and, it, you know, when he had the first one, I was like, oh, okay, you know, Calgary, I get it. And then, you know, he has the second. I'm like, this guy, you know, still has it. And you can look at his underlying numbers. They're maybe a little bit down this year. But I think, again, that's a symptom of the situation that, a lot of these players have found themselves in with the challenges the team has gone through, but to watch him play and to watch the consistency with which he is still playing certainly does not speak to the numbers that are on his birth certificate in any way, shape, or form. I certainly don't expect him to be a Seattle Kraken after uh, March 21st. No. no. And I think that uh, right now seems to be Ben Sherratt needs to kind of set the table on what the value is mm-hmm. and where you see Giordano in terms of the pecking order of, of, of what's available. Savard really kind of set the tone last year, and I think teams are still playing off of the Savard first rounder to Tampa Bay only to see him fall into a 5-6 scenario. That's where Giordano for me is. He's not, he's not a top four guy to trade for especially mm-hmm. if you're dealing with teams like maybe even St. Louis. Him going to St. Louis and falling anywhere, and on some nights you may need him to play 17, 18 minutes, but ideally I see him as a, as, as a, a bottom pair guy on a championship team. Can you, does he defend well enough to play bottom pair, Allison? Yeah, I think he could do that, and I, and I agree. I mean, that I, I, you know, I used to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that Savard deal was insane yeah. <laughs> from my perspective. Um, and now the market is wonky, and I, I, would, I would agree with Nick, too. I think also that this year the market has a little bit more flood to it, right? There's quite a few more names out there. So I do think Giordano, unless there's a team that's specifically after him, um, is going to be a second-phase move, um, and he's, he probably does end up falling into somewhat of a similar usage-slash-role like Savard. This isn't, this isn't the difference-making piece. This is the and just one more before we let you go, Allison, and just the the uh, the overall uh, vibe in Seattle with hockey and, you know, by chance did Vegas in 2018 kind of screw everything up because you guys should be in a Stanley Cup final by <laughs> June? 
you know, it's uh, it's funny. So many people have had to, to say, you know, we all remember every other expansion team was like this, except for Vegas. And now all of a sudden we all thought everyone would be like Vegas. Right. But um, the Seattle the Seattle market is fantastic. I cannot say enough about the degree of support that the community has given the team. Uh, and it speaks to how much the team worked very intentionally to connect with the city. You know, Nirvana is the goal song. They throw stuffed salmon for their three stars at the end of the game. So they've really done a tremendous job embedding themselves and making them part of what Seattle is all about. And, and these fans are smart. Um, they've had hockey there for a while, not necessarily NHL hockey, but they've had hockey and there are still fans new to the sport, and they just love it. They love the speed of it. And regardless of the record, this team plays an entertaining game, and fans will sit in their seats until pretty much that final buzzer as long as this team plays the way they do this season, and, and they're enjoying it. Now, expectations are going to come without question, but this year it's really been an awesome celebration of the Kraken coming to Seattle. So what you're saying is a Yarncroft deal to Toronto for a third-round would bury Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty comparable, yes. I think they're exactly okay. the same degree of noise on, on the sports market today. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, Allison, we really appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much for joining us, and um, happy International Women's Day. Well, thank you guys so much. You have a great rest of the show. Take care. Thanks, Allison. Uh, yeah, the Russell Wilson thing, I forgot about that. Yes. Large Seattle news that? today. Uh, uh, just all first-round picks or I don't even know. I think I saw two firsts, two seconds, a player, not a joke. I, it was a yeah. whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that a would be a, bag. a big story. Yeah. Yeah, the the uh, Jared McCann signing probably less discussed today on Seattle Talk Radio, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Cal, you're at Yarncroc, though, huh? He was, he was pretty good See, in Nashville. That's uh, and uh, playoff experience, had some success, some savvy, 200 foot guy. So can he, score, but responsible. That would be a guy I'd be interested in. Well, you know what caught my ear is you said that Dubas used to represent him. If we know anything about Kyle, it's that he loves the people he's had relationships with. If you can say Sault Ste. Marie or have said Sault Ste. Marie in your life. He has more interest in you. If you have played for the Marlies or, I don't know, anywhere. He loves those ties. So, you know, Kyle Clifford, you know who represented him? Adubis. You know, that was, a, a, these things are real connections. So See, that guy's a fourth liner to me. <laughs> Clifford? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take Clifford yeah. three years ago for sure. Now, uh... yeah. But still, um, okay, Callie Yarncroc is uh, not not necessarily an offensive juggernaut. I haven't really looked at... How many playoff games? That's what I care about. Quite a few. Quite a few. I'm going to give you an exact number in one second. 63. 63? 63. And he's, what, 30 years old? He is 30 years old. That is a guy I'd be interested in. That's an interesting... I I, I would not mind putting him with uh, Tavares and, and Nylander. That high up, huh? You, you do yeah. like him. Yeah, I'll, I'll cover your ass. Go, Nylander. Go and yeah. do all your turns and your 360s and cheat and cherry pick. <laughs> wait for your breakaway. Stop with the Willie slander. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you got another contest for us or are we all oh, done yeah. that? Yeah, no. Uh, we do have another contest. It's no train contest. It's a very good contest. Very good contest. What do you what, what do you now send people on a big wheel? No, tickets. This is a, this is a good one. Uh, hey, Leafs fans, we're giving away a pair of tickets to the March 10th game against the Coyotes. All you have to do is download Monday and Tuesday's episodes of Real Kipper and Born and listen for the different code words that will be placed in the podcast. Then text each code word to 59590 and you will be entered for a chance to win. Each code word counts as an entry, and the winner will be selected on Wednesday. Free Leafs tickets. Leafs tickets. Not cheap. Free. Nice. A good contest. Awesome. Yes. You catch the Battle of Alberta? I did. See that hit, Lucic on uh, Broberg? I did. I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, after the break, we also got John Forsland. That's hockey, baby! We're going to get to know the Kraken good today. Do you remember when they first started the, the season... They always promote the Seattle Kraken, that one guy screaming, yeah, Kraken. Yeah. 
Thank God that promo's over. It was really not a good promo. Oh, my God. That gave me a headache. Get it out of my living room. Heart on the head. (laughs) (laughs) John will tell us all about that promo after the break. You're listening and watching on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Real Kipper and Born, right back after the break. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Coyotes tickets on March 10th is Kerfoot. Earlier in the show, I declared Austin Matthews uh, the best hockey player in the world for now. Connor McDavid, right you? <laughs> no. No. And I kind of found myself going, this doesn't feel right. No, I hate that question and I hate that conversation. Because it's such a loose one. What does it mean to you to be the best in the world or the best on the planet? And what do you value as as of importance? Right. Is it strictly the top scoring? Do you need to do you need to lead scoring by fifteen points to now be declared the best in the world? It's like, oh, steak is so much better than cherry pie. It's like, what are we talking about? Like, is, it's. The two different types of good talent. Where do you measure success as a player? How much better do you make players around you? Do you get ragdolled or do you stand you know, up you for know, yourself? <laughs> right. But all, all these questions. The question probably is, all right, you have no players on a roster and you're starting a best of seven series tonight. Pick yeah. one player from the league. Yeah. Do you you start with Matthews or do you start with McDavid? I'd probably take uh, McDavid. Yeah. Because I I just think, uh, I think that extra gear for me, and Matthews is about scoring and the shot off the top of my head. That's what I think about Matthews, the shot. I'm taking taking him right now. I'm taking Matthews right now. You are, eh? Yeah. See, I'm taking McDavid because I think he excites people. He does. uh, A little bit more than Matthews. And that that would factor in my decision. Like I got to sell season tickets. Too. I got to well, want people to watch. This guy's got a third and fourth gear that nobody's ever had in the history of the game. No. And that that's that's where my thinking would go. I can't deny that it, it's almost impossible to pick. He is he is unbelievable, McDavid. He he does some special things out there. So it's not like I'm like it's definitely Matthews, but. But why? Why? Why Just Matthews? Right now, uh, watch. Your, right now, it's a size and physicality thing. Where in the postseason, the way that Matthews is getting pucks back, we talk about him, Matthews not scoring against Montreal last year in the playoffs. I thought the first three or four games of that series, he was really good. Yeah, good looks. Yes, I think there's a chance that the type of game he plays is going to cash in in the postseason. I think that when you know it's what's going to be different, what might be different is Matthews just being unstoppable just getting pucks back getting to the net finishing uh, i like the way that can work out when even when things get heavy just to kind of stretch this out to from best player in the world to a potential mvp of the season and we still have 25 27 games to go for um, many of these stars who are in the conversation mm-hmm. including dry Jonathan Huberto of... Uh, have to say him or Walsh is calling. Uh, Florida. Johnny Hockey. We saw him last night in the Battle of Alberta. I'm watching his his uh, third clinching goal of the game. And I'm going, uh, I don't know how many more guys in the world could move and skate like that. He's, Can I just say, it ain't him. I no, understand. It ain't him. But 25, 27 games to go, yeah. he's, he's in the conversation. No doubt. No doubt he is. And um, here's one, too, which kind of takes us to a goaltending, like Shesterkin. The numbers are off the charts. We're having another conversation, the one that we had prior to Christmas yeah, for Jack Campbell, where we're going, these numbers are off the charts. Like a... No one Nobody wants has, to see a goalie win. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, and I've gone on record in the past <laughs> yeah. saying they're just targets, and 
Sometimes they can disappear on your screen what for five minutes. What they want is minutes. the McDavid Matthews conversation to play out in vote but you form. You can't ignore I know. a 940 plus save percentage. He's taking an average you team can. and dragging them to home ice advantage in the playoffs in a tough division. And you know what's scary too is he's had these numbers in the KHL and they don't they don't follow you to the NHL. It's all he's got. But, Go but, to his elite prospects page or whatever. It's just 940, 920, 930, 920, 930. Which makes it even that more remarkable. He's this good. He is going to He's be, I think, for years. Hellebuck is having a down year a little bit. Best goalies in the league for a little bit here. Shesterkin and Vasilevsky, a couple of Russian guys, I think are going to be. So is, guys. He, is he turning him in, himself into the Dominic Hoshik of the Buffalo Sabres? Not a bad thing to be. Greatest goalie of all time. Any argument there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, don't start <laughs> me with that. I don't like that conversation. I actually don't either. either. I actually generally don't even like, like Patrick, Brodeur. Yeah. I don't know. Ron Tugna. Really good. I don't know. I just picked a name. They're really good. They're good. They're all very good. So are you convinced now that uh Calgary should be seen as the 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 best Chance for Canada to have a Stanley Cup since Montreal in 93. The best cop-out I can give here is yes, because of the division they're in, not because I think they're better than the Leafs, but I do. But I kind of do, man. Watching them, like, the, first off, the division thing, they have a softer route to get through than Toronto's dealing with Florida and Tampa Bay, Boston. You know, go, going from the Pacific Division, Calgary, if they, if they win that division or even finish second, they're going to get to the second round. So they got a good shot, shot to go pretty far. And then aren't they built for playoffs? Daryl Sutter, defense, physical play, goaltending. Haven't we seen this movie before? Just in the world where everybody gets accused over 55 of being a dinosaur, that's your cue. He's <laughs> like, oh, me again? I, I, I just look at Calgary and I go, Daryl Sutter. Yeah. It's all Daryl Sutter. He went in there, scared the crap out of everybody, told everybody the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, you're done. You're cooked. You're out. And it's worked. Yeah. He is as authentic as, you know, what's crazy is last year, there was a, there's a running gag with me in Calgary, like betting on the flames and them costing me money. I lost because I, I like their roster. I would look at their roster and I'd be like, this is a good hockey team. And then I would bet money on them and they would lose. And I remember having conversations with the guys on Calgary radio and them saying, there's just a rot with the core of Calgary. Like it doesn't make sense. The team is clearly good. It's just like the core, this Goudreau and Monaghan core, it's just not working. Something's got to go. There's some reason that they can't succeed. No leadership. It's the same roster this year. A couple of big guys in the back end. They just added to Foley. It's Sutter. It's all Sutter and buy-in, and it's not even a revolutionary system. It's just a guy that means business and will take your ice time away, and the guys know how to play. They also brought in guys that play the style he wants yeah. them to play. So that's something, having a cohesive system with the coach, but or a cohesive roster with the coach. Toffoli with two goals last night. There's a, a perfect example of a guy that Daryl Sutter knew from his L.A. days. Knew Fitz. exactly what he was getting. Seven goals in 10 games. He had eight in like 40 with Montreal. So seven already with the Flames. You know, what's interesting too is they have not really approached uh, Johnny Gaudreau on a contract. I just don't want him. I mean, I'm joking, but, like, do they I don't not? It's amazing that he's having the best year. He's in the uh, conversation for MVP. And they haven't made up their minds yet. I would assume that's the only reason why you haven't tried to if take If I'm legitimate... Gaudreau, that means I'm gone. If you, if you don't know that you want me by now, then I guess you don't. I, I imagine if you're the Flames, you're saying you're one of the superstars in the league – who are consistently a point per game, or sorry, a guy whose points per game in the playoffs drops. And maybe that's not going to jive with Daryl Sutter. And so that's what the Flames are thinking. It, I mean, otherwise, why else would they not have signed this guy? He, we mentioned him. He's in the Hart Trophy race. I'm looking at his points per game in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a one-point-per-game player in the regular season, 0 0.6 in the, in the playoffs. What do you think he's worth? Uh, eight. Am I 
that feels low, but I mean, how old is he? He's got to be, he's not a young man. 28 years old, you're buying seasons 29 to 36. That math didn't feel right, but it's close. What do you think Claude Giroux is going to move on? From the Flyers, yeah. Yes. Would you not see... This season? Move Goudreau before... Oh. No, I'm talking about... I'm talking off-season stuff. I'm not talking about a trade. Okay. No. I'm just saying Claude Giroux is going to move on. Would the Flyers be interested in bringing him back home, per se, in the... uh, You mean Canada generally? He's from he's from that area. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So would you see Johnny Hockey signed by the Philadelphia Flyers this I summer? Yeah. That's where I'm Cherry going. Cherry Hill or something, yeah. whatever. It's like, um, yes, I can. But I don't know that that solves the Flyers' problems. I, I'm weird on Goodrow. I'm weird on Goodrow because he's obviously a great player. He obviously helps you win. Look at him last night. He's talented. Talked about him statistically in the Hart Trophy conversation this year. You know, those... That postseason drop-off for me is substantial, and I know he hasn't had a ton of time. Some of that was when he was young in the league, and he hasn't had a ton of time that, to prove himself. How's that compared to, say, Matthews or Marner's drop-off in the playoffs? Uh, I can I can pull that up, yeah. but I don't think theirs is that substantial. Well, Marner's might be, to be honest. But um, So Mar- Marner's a 10-9. Is he close to Marner? He's a pretty talented guy. They're both just not feels the like biggest guys. He's on guys. the wrong end of it to me. Like Mitch, if you're getting the best years of his career here with, with the contract that Marner has with, with Gaudreau, I'm not sure once he is a half step slower and he's not, I, I just am not certain that you're going to continue to get this guy. Um, just pulling up Marner here. His points per game in the regular season is 1.04 in the postseason it's 0.78. So it's a, it's a good drop, but it's not as bad. Flames run away with a 3-1 victory over the Oilers last night. I brought up the the hit. Um, mm-hmm. Lucic took a pretty good run at uh, Broberg, um, yeah. and it had a few people screaming, bloody murder. It felt like the type of hit that Lucic would make and that it wasn't terrible or I don't think it was all that. He knew it was just dangerous enough to get people's ire up and to annoy some people. I didn't hate it. Like, I don't love it either, but it doesn't make me that upset. You? I think everything um, was pointing to the direction that this could be a a bad thing for Lucic until Philip Broberg uh, turned around, saw him, and went out of his way to slow him down yeah. and get in his way. It's the early contact. The early contact. Yeah. And once you establish that you see him mm-hmm. and purposely are trying to slow him down, that's when the Lucha train gets to run you over. It's a really good point. Because a lot of times as a smaller guy, watch Rasmus Sandin does this all the time. You got people tight on your back and you're going to get run. You initiate contact before. Which Broberg did. And if you get blown yes. up, sometimes it looks really dangerous because you get launched from three feet from the boards or whatever because you've initiated yeah. Yeah. And all bets are off after that. Like, the thing is, if you're Broberg, I don't know what the solution is. You go to the yeah, wall just, and let him paste you, your, sh- your shoulders separated. Dig in deep and hold him up. I think you just do the matador and pull a knee lander. Trip where, where you, no, you just, you, you kind of go to the boards, know. then jump out of the way, let him hit the boards, yeah, and then like, fight for the like puck. Like the coyote did against the roadrunner yeah. all the time. You just let the guy hit the and glass and not sign. you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Yes, of course. Or am I dating myself? No, no, no. That's timeless. Except for people older than me or younger than me. Yes, I do. All right. Um, Tough spot. You mentioned uh, there's some names, a list of some of the names that we're going to start hearing in the next two weeks. You want to go through a, a couple of the names? and Because uh, mm-hmm. that, that trade deadline is going to sneak up on us real you do quick. That? Under two weeks. Or do you want to hear Hackstall talk about what he thinks the oh. Leafs are? Which one do you prefer? Yeah, let's do Hackstall because we talked to uh, Allison about him a little bit. And we and, got uh, John Forslund coming up in a couple minutes. So the head coach of the Seattle Kraken was the assistant coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs last season. He ran the D side of things, got the job. And so he has experience with uh, the failures here, but also the um, the different coaching staffs and what's gone on. So let's listen to what now Dave Haxtell thinks of what this Toronto Maple Leafs core group is. I mean, everybody's, you know, 
And I, I watch it from a different viewpoint now. There's no easy way to get there. This, you know, the group over there, and I'm not going to talk too much about it. That's not my place. Um, you know, I, I believe that group has continued to grow, uh, learn from the different challenges and uh, successes and failures. And that's how you do it because there's no easy way to the end game. Uh, you can look back on any team that's been able to do it. So um, it's a, you know, it's a character group. It's a skilled group. Um, it's a good group of people. Would a coach ever say, I don't know about that group over there. Like, no, he can't ever say anything, but ever. Yeah. He's smart. Just that would have been wild. Stay, stay away from it. I'm yeah. sure he's got his thoughts. It didn't, I don't think it ended great uh, between him no. and the Leafs. I, and I've I heard that, that players didn't when, love. When I, when I say that, it's, there's no animosity. It's just like. Uh, it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. And you're not, they're not responding to you. You're not responding to them. And we need to move on. I was really surprised that Ron Francis signed him. When mm-hmm. we heard names out there like Rick Tockett and yeah. uh, John Tortorella and maybe a few other options. I did not see Dave Haxall in this equation. And there are just some guys out there that I believe have a better chance of success in junior or in college. And making that transition to the NHL or pros, it's not an easy one. Mm -hmm. I, I... I don't Still see hasn't him. got I, there for I, you? I, no, he has not arrived for me as an NHL head coach. Yeah. And he came in, certainly coming out of college, one of those guys where it's like, you're going to pull me out of my program? You better buck up. Yeah. And it, I, it didn't work out in Philly. Didn't work out in Toronto as an associate. And I'm not sure it's working out great in Seattle. You know, what killed me is like, you're just looking at his time in Toronto, when he ran the the PK, which was 24th in the league, 78%. This year, same personnel, more or less. They're sixth in the NHL. Yeah. You know, Dean Schwanauth, I don't know if that's so. I don't know. Well, don't wanna, anyway. we're going to the voice of that's hockey, baby. John Forslund, the play-by-play voice of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> And really, like, let's face it, you are you are the franchise right now. Can you imagine? It's time to fold the franchise, Kipper. <laughs> How are you? How are things? <laughs> oh, I'm great. Great, boys. Uh, good to be with you guys. And um, it couldn't be better off the ice. Uh, it's sensational out in Seattle. There's a lot of great things going on there. The interest in the team is off the charts. The facilities are off the charts. The team has had significant challenges. We can get into all of that, but all life is good. I'm very lucky. I, I'm very lucky. I have this chance to uh, kind of mark time with the franchise again. It went down a sour road for me in Raleigh, but that's in the past now, and and here we are. So this is this is absolutely great, Nikki. Uh, we just had a conversation prior to you coming on about Dave Haxall and uh, uh, some of the challenges, I guess, uh, in in his first year and some of the names that we had heard that might have been sexier uh, in the media as, as availability for head coaches. What is the main reason why you think Ron Francis went down the, the road of uh, Haxall? Uh, if I had to take one word, it would be trust. And, and trust is something that's mysterious to all of us because only he and Dave know where this comes from, right? They didn't have much of a past together. Uh, I think you and I talked about this uh, in and around the expansion draft with all those other names uh, that were out there. But I, there was a, a situation at the World Championships uh, for Hockey Canada where they they uh, were able to work together. Uh, Ron sees a lot in common with him about how he sees the game. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding moving forward. Um, it's it's been a tough year, obviously. You can look at all the all the numbers, and obviously you can pick that out. But I, I think he's had his challenges with a roster that's changed on a daily basis, which with an expansion club is not easy. But, you know, he's going to have to do better. He, he's going to have to get this team in a better spot here uh, down the stretch and whatever's left after the trading deadline, certainly next year, um, because there there will be some significant pressure to improve because I think the expectations were better. I, I don't think a lot of people realistically thought they'd be a good, as good as Vegas, but I think it was fair to say that this roster should be in and around the cut line. And I, I think that's where everybody thought it would be. There's some teams in the Pacific Division that played better than everybody thought. 
um, L.A. being one of those. But I, but I, I think there's uh, an opportunity here to show significant improvement in the second year. And uh, from everything Ronnie has said, he has a total faith in, in Dave and his staff and, and leans on a lot of the COVID issues, injury issues, uh, not a deep enough roster in terms of pros like other teams have, you know, when your, your cupboard's pretty bare and he's going to have to build that up uh, moving forward. But that's kind of where it is right now. John, you mentioned um, some of the problems and challenges that they've had to overcome this season. Um, maybe give us a, an outline of kind of what's gone on with the, the season and, and how much of the issues are uh, self-made and how much of them are just the unfortunate, uh, unfortunate circumstances that come for all teams over the course of a season. Well, you know, Justin, a great question, and, and it is for all teams, and for all teams is COVID, right? But I think with this team, the difference is there isn't a core. Um, right. There are guys you look at and you would say, geez, there's your leadership group, but is it? I mean, how do you know with a team like this? How do you know that, you know, certain guys are going to fall into that, into that role or maybe guys are going to uh, assume a role that they didn't have in the previous location? So uh, all the teams that dealt with COVID and navigated through it, you could lean on your leadership core, your captains, your key guys, if they're healthy, and then kind of, you know, augment around that. The Kraken from the opening game of the season in Las Vegas had three guys fly in on the day of the game to play because they weren't sure they were gonna they were gonna be negative and, and be able to play and they all they took three private planes to get there and it seemed to be in and around this team and it wasn't in mass it was like one guy two guys it went on all year and because of that you take a guy everything's disjointed so you know they they could never get the continuity. He's done a lot. He being Hackstall's done a lot of experimenting with different combinations. For me, maybe too much, but just my opinion. But they have been able to build trust with each other. And even though some of the numbers suggest that they're a pretty solid defensive team and there should be some blame pointed at the goaltending, I can tell you this, that it's always something that breaks down. And they just don't seem to have that awareness of each other. And uh, to be fair, I think a lot of it has to do with the circumstances, but you know, the, the, you can't make excuses in this biz- business. You have to deal with it no matter what. And I think he knows that. We're talking to John Forslund TV play by play voice of the Seattle cracker uh, Kraken and the NHL on TNT. Hey, John, we had uh, Allison Lucan on earlier and I kind of joked around that, uh, Vegas in 2018, that dream run kind of, ruined uh, like a a chance of (laughs) having a a normal expansion year um is it apples to oranges or is it apples to apples and just the pressure that that started from day one that hey listen you don't have to act like a team in the basement just because you're an expansion club you know i i think some of that is fair nick I, i i don't i don't think that um, because I know how I felt. I mean, and we all look at the league, right? And if there's ever a time in the NHL where there's parity, it's now. When there ever's a time where you could get decent players in an expansion process, it's now. And sure, I mean, Vegas was the perfect storm, right? They took off from that opening night and they, the horrible tragedy in Las Vegas, and it just seemed like everything came together, and they did have off-the-charts goal, goalkeeping for Marc-Andre Fleury, right? So they were able to get through that year and then get on a playoff run, and they've changed their team since to kind of keep up with that success. So they've mortgaged some of their draft choices and younger players to get guys in the now to make them still an elite team and chase it for a few years where they're at. The Kraken, I think, thought they could be in the Pacific Division better, like I said. Nobody saw the three California teams playing like they did for most of the season. L.A.'s been a great story. Anaheim's hanging around, and San Jose did the best they could for a while. But everybody thought they would struggle and young and be rebuilding, and and you could take advantage of some of that in the division. It would work out to the Kraken's benefit. And I know I felt that they were okay. I I thought it was going to be a a grinding team with good goaltending that could compete and be in and around the playoff bubble. didn't happen. So I think what's going to, what you're going to look at now is um, the team's going to have to adjust. And I think the adjustment really isn't something that is uh, a surprise to Ron Francis, because I think if he had his way, what he would do is build it slowly, build it through drafting and developing and um, make sure that they're really good as you get into 
the third and fourth year of the existence so that you can be on an annual basis one of those teams. It's the approach he had in Carolina. He didn't get a chance to see it all the way through, but he did, as you guys know, he did build a foundation there with many of those players and replenish a cupboard that was pretty bare, and he did it through drafting and developing with the Hurricanes, and I think he wants to do the same thing here. And one of the names that could fetch them some draft picks and prospects is Mark Giordano, the team captain there in Seattle. And that captaincy is what I want to ask you about. Do do you think it factors into the decision to trade him or not trade him in the days ahead? Obviously, first captain captain franchise history. Hate to ship him out, but he's a pretty movable piece that could probably fetch you something. Yeah, well, you guys would know more about this, you know, as as ex-players than I would. And you've been in rooms and you know you know, the importance of that role. I think that role is very important with an expansion team, right? But you don't necessarily have to have a captain. And I was kind of surprised that they did it. And they earmarked uh, Gio as the captain from the beginning. I thought, well, maybe there's going to be a future for him, but I think there would have been if if the situation was different. Now they're so far out. And the price that you could, you could, you could get back for him might be so great that he might have to do it. And they did have a conversation, Ron and, and, and Mark, a couple of weeks ago. No one knows what was said. I think if, if, if Giordano wanted to stay, I, I think they would, they would say okay. But I think Ron probably said, I got a chance here. There's two things on the table. You can go for a run and win a Stanley Cup, and you tell me where you want to go, and I'll do my best, and I can really improve this team. And I think uh, Ronnie has said this. Uh, everything is on the table right now. He's open to anything. And so I think when you look at it, uh, many expansion teams in NHL history have looked at their expansion draft as a way to get to the real team, right? So I think that's kind of uh, the mindset right now. I hate to see him go. He's been a great example setter for the entire team. He'd be great as they get uh, younger and more prospects start to come into the fold here. You couldn't have anybody better but I think it's the realistic situation for him and the team that's going to be in and around March 21st, and that's going to be interesting. Are Leaf fans going to find out what they could have had with Jared McCann tonight if they would have picked Kerfoot in the expansion draft? Yeah, Jared McCann, Nikki, has been fantastic, Mm -hmm. and he's been a guy who uh, has repurposed his career. He never found the right slot as a younger player, Vancouver, Florida, and then in Pittsburgh, it wasn't, there wasn't room for him to really do much other than just support the scoring. And that's what he did. But here he's kind of take advantage of every situation. He's played the middle of the ice. Many people said he, he couldn't do that. He's played the wing too. He's been great on the power play, but most importantly, he's one of the guys that is, is really relish being in Seattle wants to be there. And I think it, that contract that he signed today is reflective of both of those situations. It's good for the team too. Good for the player gives them security, but it's a team friendly contract and, and Francis can just put him in there and, and build around that. And so, yeah, he's been a, a great um, leader just by the way he has scored on a consistent basis. And um, I think it's just a situation that's going to work out great for both sides. I think when we looked at how the team was shaping up out of the expansion draft, everyone said, okay, Seattle is going to keep the puck out of their net, right? They're going to goaltend. They're right. going to defend. It's Larson. It's, you know, the flurries. It's uh, Alexiak. Has the the plan gone? Has it gone to plan uh, in regards to the defensive side of thing, keeping pucks out? No, it hasn't. And, and it's, a, it's a, another interesting way to look at this um, because if you look at the, the numbers and some of the analytical numbers in and around Seattle, they suppress fairly well. They, don't, they limit shots against. Um, they, they win that, that danger zone most of the time, um, and they grind. And so there have been nights where the goalkeeping has been way below average. There have been many nights where it's been very good especially with Philip Grubauer. Uh, Grubauer is kind of forced to play probably too much in the front end of the season because of an injury to Chris Drieger. And they couldn't get Drieger in the mix at all, and they had to run Grubauer hard. He had a great camp, had a great first road trip. In the middle of November, uh, they lost a game against Chicago in Seattle. Next team in was Colorado. And uh, Grubauer, for me, I don't think it was all on him, but other people thought so. And uh, he was kind of called out after the game, and he didn't start against Colorado. Uh, For me, that was interesting because uh, I think he had that game circled. He didn't get it. They got beat 
7-3. They were down 7 nothing after two periods. He had to go in and relief of Drieger that game. Yeah, and I think they lost him. To answer your question here, I think they lost him for a couple of weeks. He's had a hard time catching up to himself, but since they've come back from the holidays and the All-Star break, been pretty good. He was really good in Carolina the other night, and then there's always something. There's always that breakdown somewhere. Even if they play a nearly flawless game, it's never good enough. And unfortunately, with the way they're built, they have to be almost mistake-free to win. That's hard to do, right? John, because of your great work on TN, uh, TNT, we also know that uh, you got a, you're got you well-versed uh, around the National Hockey League. We were talking about uh, uh, the work of the Calgary Flames uh, in that Pacific Division that uh, you've watched an awful lot of. Uh, your thoughts on uh, which teams now out of the West particularly have the best chance to maybe come out on top? And how surprised are you at a team like Calgary? A, a little bit surprised, but I I, I believe in Daryl Sutter. I mean, from all those years that I covered the West for NBC during their glory years in L.A. and got to see, you know, exactly what he can do with a team. Um, you give him the rope, you give him the opportunity to do what he wants to do, and you stay out of his way, he can make it happen. But they're they're very strong, right? I mean, Jacob Markstrom, starting with him, has had a fantastic season. You go from the goal out, and I think they just have great balance. There's game-breaking ability, obviously, there. Johnny Goudreau, at the right time, has had a great season, uh, and he's not alone. Uh, Mangiapane has been great. Uh, Lindholm has been consistent. He's been great. Um, but then, they, you know, you look around their lineup with Trevor Lewis and Blake Coleman and even Luch. I mean, these guys have, have, have added the, that sturdiness that you need uh, to take you where you need to go. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. Toffoli was a great trade to get kind of ahead of it. So, yes, they're, they're to be reckoned with. There's no question. And then, obviously, Colorado, right? And the only team I can think of uh, besides uh, those two is, as a sleeper would be St. Louis. If St. Louis can ever kind of lock down their goaltending, um, they're going to be tough. They're a good team. Uh, again, another balanced team, but it's, a, it's an interesting conference. Not as strong as the East, but it's, uh, it's interesting to see th- those three teams, I think, are, are teams to keep an eye on. Speaking of locking down goaltending, we should talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you got some experience seeing them, obviously, from your days in Carolina and kind of what this team is all about. What are your thoughts on the evolution of the Leafs and what they are now, their their chances going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I always wonder if it's just as simple as the goalies or if there's other things going on. Mm-hmm. And you watched them last night, and they had that terrific first period. They're, they're humming. Everything's going great. And then you look at some of the coverage. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the one goal that stands out is a goal Bjorkstrand uh, scored. It's like the Blue Jackets are wheeling around. And, and, the, and I, for me, I don't know if the coverage was that great in that situation. I don't know if that's on the goalie or not. Um, sure, uh, Campbell's had his struggles, but he's also had great moments here. Uh, Mrazek, I saw him a lot in Carolina uh, early in his career in Detroit, covered him in the playoffs. You know, he's the epitome of a hot goalie, right? If he gets hot, and the big if, but if he gets hot, he can do it. Uh, the thing about him is that he, he needs to play probably more than as a two um, because he's got to get in rhythm because he's a little bit jumpy, right? And when he jumps and he attacks pucks, he spits out rebounds and it's trouble. Um, so maybe they get a goalie, but I, again, I think it's been this way for a while, guys. It's a back end and uh, they need some help there. One more before I let you go, Johnny, and that's uh, your your visit in Carolina and uh, the tribute that they paid to you. You, of course, 20 years there covering uh, the Carolina games. First of all, what did that tribute mean to you? And second of all, what do you think of their chances this year? Well, I think they have a great chance to do it. I think they almost have to. They're getting there with that group where they got to prove they can get outside the second round. And I know in 19, they went to the conference final, but that was more of a run. Uh, the last couple of years, they've tried to measure themselves against Tampa Bay. It hasn't worked. Now Florida hasn't worked in the regular season. They got to prove they're better than that. I still think they need a little bit more abrasion in their group. They have tremendous skill. They've got quality defensemen. Freddie Anderson has been off the charts, but he he too has to uh, exercise some demons in the playoffs, right? And as far as the tribute, Nikki, it was uh, really great. It was a very uh, sour departure for me there. Uh, still, uh, still stings. I was there for almost 25 years, um, and when that happens to you, you wonder 
what was it worth, you know, mm. because you kind of minimized and I got out of there and thank God I got this opportunity with the Kraken and other chances and I've been able to move on with my career. But that day when they did that um, and that ovation from the great Kaniacs meant a lot to me. It's something I'll never forget. Not sure I entirely deserve all of that, but that's okay. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good thing where I can say now, okay, we can cut the cord and move on here. Well, we certainly uh, appreciate you, uh, whether it's in Seattle or Carolina. You're one of the best, Johnny. Thanks for doing this, pal. Okay, boys. Thanks a lot. You guys take care. Keep up the great work. Thanks, John. Appreciate John Forslund. it. Yeah, he wonderful. calls a great game. He's as good as it gets. So I just started giggling. You ask him, what do you think of the Leafs? He's like, ah. Coverage. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Should, should someone be covering the guy in the back door? I'm not going to say they should. But Coverage? I don't know. <laughs> That's like a uh, humility uh, thing right there. I don't want to be the guy to call anyone out. I don't but... think you really cared if Matthews is the best player in the world or not right now. No. Coverage. <laughs> Coverage. Got it, John. John's seen enough hockey to have his say. Um, so two things uh, we need to talk about. Leafs locks, because it's a, pe- a pe- sorry a Leafs day. We need to talk gambling, because I know you love that. Yes, I do. But before I do that, I need to do I need to give a shout-out. Another contest. No, no contest. Right. Just a shout-out to my guy, Keller Zeisman, who you know, right? He's the goaltender to Greg's son. Uh, yes, a, Keller. So, so Keller uh, designed a desk for me. I can work from home now. No. This beautiful, like, folding desk that you got to see the, the space. It's brilliant. And I said I would give him a shout-out. So thank you for that, Keller. Um, but great, family. great family. Great um, family. Leafs locks. So. So, uh, so was it yesterday going into Columbus? You said the highest uh, goal uh, – yeah, the over-under. Under. Yeah. Highest, seven. It was set at seven, yeah. Blew Not that away. Close. <laughs> yeah, Blew still. that away. Over-over. Actually, that's super relevant to what I have highlighted for today. So the over-under today is set at six and a half. And the line is very interesting to me. What do you think tonight? Will the goal total be over or under six and a half goals? I, I, I'm going to say the same thing I said 24 hours ago. Okay. Don't win a game 6-4. Yeah. Don't even win it 5-4. Focus on keeping the puck out of your net. So I'm going under. I also am going under. Our Derek Brandeo has given us the prices right for the crowd. We do not agree. He was we do us not the, agree. The over sign. I'm going under. I'm going under. The Leafs are on a back-to-back. They played last night in Columbus. A little tired, a little less pop out of the legs for Matthews and Marner and the guys who play a lot. Seattle offensively, uh, not good. Not an offensive juggernaut. The pressure is on the Leafs to do. People like Caprios are all over him to defend, right? I mean, I, I got to believe the heat is on them to defend, get sticks in front of the net, clear the lanes so the goalie can see under tonight. Pays minus 111. I'm, I'm, play, I'm placing a substantial bet on that. And if they don't, I'm, I'm blaming uh, you. My kids are eating mac and cheese for the next Okay, so time. we're under the same page here that they've got a – they're getting another opportunity – just to tighten it up. Yeah. How about a 3-1 score? 3-1 would be nice. Also, uh, and just one other bet I'm going to place is Michael Bunting. Uh, it plays plus money for him to get one assist. If he gets an assist tonight, plays plus 117. So I'm going to bet on that as well. Um, but yes, defensively has to be the focus. They cannot continue to pair Lilligren with Morgan Riley. That is a defensive disaster. The Lilligren thing, he's, he's costing them a goal a game right now. Just one. It's only a goal a game. They're staying with the program. I, I I know they want to give it run and experience and see what they can do. It's not like there's some chemistry happening here. I do not understand it. Give all Labushkin right. all the minutes. He's my new favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he has done a nice job. He's He's noticeably big out there. He is. And, well, he's just noticeably eager to be big. Just get into people's way. Yeah. As long as you do it standing on the right side yeah. of your net. I did mention he's missed a few people running at hits. Maybe just temper that a little bit. You don't need to run out of position. So the Kraken uh, tonight, what on that team will you be watching? What has your interest? Well, it, it's... McCann. Uh, Can I weigh in the, on the McCann contract? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, it's, again... Just speaking to John Forslund, this is a play-by-play guy, and he, you sense the disappointment in his voice about uh, underachieving. Mm-hmm. And 
he's already talking about the pressure of this team next year to challenge. They were supposed to challenge. They all expected from the ownership down, they all expected to challenge for a playoff spot. Hey, if you miss, you miss. But they did not expect to be dead last. You know, with Allison and John off now, and I appreciate them coming on and their sentiments and all that, Seattle's a massive disappointment. They really are. Like, the expansion draft, they managed to uh, ring zero out of that leverage they had. And I know they weren't going to do what Vegas did. We all know that. Could have been a a pick, something. They got absolutely nothing. Then they left guys on the table. You know, Tarasenko was available um, you know, Shillington was a guy from Calgary who's proven to have a very good year. There were there were players around that they could have had. Then they used their UFA money on Grubauer, not been great. Alexiak, I don't know. Like they, yeah. I, you know, they said they're going to weaponize their cap space. It has been bad. And this McCann contract, I don't like either. You think it's too much? Uh, he's been given all the opportunity because they have no other players. He's playing the half wall yeah. on power play one for crying out loud. So of course he's yeah. got points. What happens when you get real players and you got to put someone else in the flank? What do you do with them? As long as he scores 20 goals, I you're think, right for I five think, million. You I think you'll be that. fine for five million. It's a, it's a fine contract. I don't hate the contract. He's just yeah. This is as good as it's going to get. I think. Do we assume we're seeing Grubauer tonight? I'm just making that assumption, but I don't know. But we are seeing Jack Campbell. It's going to be a good game for Jack Campbell. Book it. Our thanks to John Forsland, play-by-play announcer, and Allison Lucan as well. JB. Always a pleasure, pal. Thanks, Kipper. You too. Our thanks to Derek Brandeo and J.R. Manitad. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Real Kipper and Bourne.